Welcome to the Michigan Wild Podcast. We're just here walking around. We're gonna go set a tree stand. Don't worry, my dad's weird. He never shot a huge buck. I just shot a freaking big buck. Go get that one, Henry. Prayer. Size of that deer. Welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. Welcome, guys. Another week, another episode. Uh, man, the sun is out. It looks real nice outside. 20 degrees this morning, sun's shining. Get me all fired up to get outside and do some stuff. Uh, but today is a good day. Uh, we're going to do a little, me and my family are going to walk some properties um, just to kind of see what's going on. Um, we're always kind of looking, seeing what's out there. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do a little walking around. Uh, enjoy that we had a nice breakfast this morning and we're gonna hop in the truck after i get done with this intro and uh go ahead head that way and uh you know we try to stay pretty busy on the weekend so looking forward to that um yeah we got we got a good episode this week guys this is with uh david riley uh he's one of the co-hosts of the fall podcast and so i banked up a few episodes because uh like next week next weekend i'm going to be out of town uh taking little man to go see some museums and stuff like that he likes that kind of thing so we're kind of doing a quick weekend trip out of that so i wanted to kind of bank up a few episodes just kind of make it a little easier so i kind of cast a pretty wide net talk to some people and see what they uh they wanted to record episodes and you know it was pretty awesome a lot of them got back to me wanted to do uh do some episodes so i kind of banked up a few of them did like two two episodes a week just kind of give me that little buffer for that because you know family time is important so i'm still trying to juggle all this stuff and make sure i'm you know doing enough um with the family and you know set aside that time for because you kind of get in a rhythm kind of get in a groove same thing happens when you're you know chasing your hobbies and doing those things that don't take much and next thing you know you're uh, you're deep into it and days of ticked by and all those things so nope was pretty fortunate to be able to do a couple episodes a week get a nice little stockpile but no this one with david or uh, dj riley he uh he hopped on with me i want to say it was like the second week of february so obviously if no one knows who he is he's uh he's a wealth of knowledge i mean he's been you know seriously chasing whitetails in michigan i think he said like since 2011 i think is when he kind of like had his uh moment of time where he's like you know what 
I'm ready to, you know, kind of up my game here a little bit and, you know, try some different things and get on some different deer and all that stuff. So, you know, it's kind of funny cause you know, he's older, he's a little older than me, but like that was kind of the same time in my life where I started wanting to do the same thing. Uh, yeah. When I was like in my early twenties, um, started chasing deer and, you know, got trail cameras and I wanted to shoot a bigger deer cause you know, social media, you were seeing guys shoot big deer in Michigan, other States. It's like, man, I want to be able to do that. And I was right in the middle of going out of state with my dad during that time too. So we're seeing all these different things and it's like, why is there big deer here in Missouri when the terrain looks the same or maybe better in Michigan? So I was like, man, there's gotta be pockets of big deer. So that's when I kind of started really like getting more permission on properties and looking around in my early twenties. I mean, it took me a lot longer to get the success that, you know, DJ got. He, uh, he got mobile and he almost found success. I want to say, if I remember, I want to say the first year he did it, he went hard in the paint and he, he ended up getting out a really good buck. And then he's pretty much been really consistent ever since. And he attributes all that to scouting and putting in the effort and having that lifestyle. Like he, he talks about that. Like he doesn't have any other hobbies, you know, he, I mean, he has, he does things, he enjoys, you know, football and that kind of stuff. But I mean, like he doesn't have golf league. He doesn't have, he doesn't go to the bar. He doesn't do any of this stuff. He's like family and whitetails. And, uh, it's, he's, I mean, he's dead on. I mean, if you want to be consistent and do these things without having like, you know, he doesn't have a property of his own. So he's bouncing all over the place. He's talking about how he doesn't ever want to get complacent. So it was a great episode with him. Really appreciated him coming on. Uh, just listening back to it a little bit, a couple times, just, you know, I tried to double check some of the audio stuff before I, you know, do this and, uh, the things I was hearing, I was like, just shaking my head. I'm like, dude, yeah, he's, he's, he's got some of the stuff figured out and it's, it's really good because the way he talks about it, it relates to like the normal guy, you know, how he's like, I'm just going out here. I've got a family, you know, young family. Um, you know, I got an hour here, two hours there. He's, you know, he's just making a priority and he's going out there walking around and learning things and, he's always checking properties and doing this kind of stuff. So it was a really good, really good conversation. Like I said, I enjoyed it. It's a perfect time. That's why I wanted to do it. You know, we were kind of in a stretch of February where was, the weather was super nice. So I knew he had been probably pounding the boot leather a little bit. And, uh, sure enough talking to him, I was like, yep, he's been, he's been after it pretty hard. So, which was nice. And then we got dumped down with some snow, you know, shortly after we talked, but now it's all melted again and sun's out and what a great time to get out there and scout. And, um, we did talk a little bit about his, like how he started with the fall and, you know, went through that backstory, which is a really cool story hearing that and, um, just how it all kind of was meant to be with him. And he, uh, he just wants, he's got this like really good mindset of like wanting to get a little bit better every day. And he also wants, he's super helpful to other people because he knows what it's like to be where he was. So he was an awesome dude. So I encourage anyone who, you know, listens to this and, likes what they want, what likes what they heard, or maybe has some like, you know, questions, reach out to him. He's, he's very, you know, active on responding and doing those things. He's just very selfless, selfless in that, that aspect. So yeah, it was a, it was a fun conversation. And I think for me, um, moving forward here, I'm trying to do a couple things with audio. I don't know if it's going to work. My intro music and stuff has been kind of weak on the the sound levels and I've tried really hard to like mess with it. Like I'm not a techie guy at all. So I've messed around a little bit of this. I've actually messed with my mic a little bit to try to like even everything out. So if this comes out a little hot, I'm sorry. I uh, might have the levels kind of messed up, but I figured out a way to extract some audio a little differently 
to kind of plug it in there and try to, you know, fade it in and out and do the things. But I'm learning as I go. You know, this is not my – I don't do any of this kind of stuff as my day job or nothing. So if it comes out a little hot, I do apologize, but I'm trying. And, you know, every week try to get a little better and better. But, uh, no, I think that's pretty much it for the – for the, you know, trying to keep this this intro a little, you know, short and sweet just because it was a, I mean, another almost two hour long episode. So, I mean, it was just good stuff. And, um, yeah, I think that's about what I'm going to, you know, kind of end it on. Obviously I'll kind of plug my shop in a little bit in the Michigan wild shop. You can find that in the show notes. Uh, if anyone's wanting to, you know, get into some gear and, you know, fishing season starting that kind of stuff, there's some stuff on there. Check it out. See if you, you know, like anything for maybe a birthday someone's birthday or you know add a couple things to your arsenal going through the the year have let's see i shot my bow and shoot my bow that's been going pretty good um just trying to build that shoulder strength up i think i've talked about before i kind of have a weak shoulder um you know i guess i'm not it's not weak it's just i have something going on in there so if i'm not careful with how i practice or how i do things it can be pretty sore and really affect my my ability to shoot my bow so i kind of take the approach of small doses and then build myself up so yeah a lot of basement shooting going on getting some stuff figured out um i did talk about um a new site that i got this year got that on the bow been you know messing around with that a little bit it's been going pretty good um i like it it's different in a couple aspects so there's a few things i want to tweak and kind of have to like work through so i got I got from now until October first to get that figured out. So the rabbit hunting has been good too. We we uh, kind of had some crappy weather last weekend, but still went out for a couple hours with the dogs and they ran good. So pretty happy about that. And then yeah, this this upcoming week we're gonna do the same thing. Looks like decent weather. Gonna get a good good group of guys together and hit some hit some good spots and see what we can what we can wrangle up. But uh, that's pretty much it for me this week, guys. And uh, like I said, give the shop a look. Also like just going to do it again because he's my dad and I, I really like helping out the community aspect of this but if anyone in the construction game has any questions or is maybe looking for a change or wanting to do that young guys guys with experience does not matter feel free to reach out to me uh, you can email me that's also in the show notes and uh yeah get a discussion started or if there's any projects that people have you know local to the grand rapids area from construction aspect feel free to reach out for those two um we're in that residential game so Anyone who's listening to this that has anything, you know, maybe big or small, doesn't matter, reach out, see what can happen. If anything, I can always point you in the right direction or at least try my best to do that. So thanks for listening to this episode, guys. Hope you enjoyed this this episode with with DJ Riley. And uh, see you guys next week. All right, welcome to another episode of Michigan Wild. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, this evening, I have, I don't know, are you considered a big buck killer at this point in your life? But I have DJ Riley. What's going on? Hey, buddy. I, I, I don't I don't think I'd call myself a big buck killer. I don't I don't know if I'd call call myself that. I would just call myself a, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just a bull hunter, man. I'm there just a bull hunter that's, uh, you know, still a, a student of the game, but hey nate i uh i appreciate you having me on tonight that's good that's a good answer i mean i you know we have all of our group of friends and you know a lot of my buddies listen to this and they like to give me a hard time you know oh look at these you know 
Nate shoots all these big deer and I balance it out by shooting the little ones, you know, ha ha, give me a hard time. It's like, you're just a big buck killer. And it's like, you know what? Yes, I do shoot big bucks. That's the goal. But like, there's so much more to it. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and if I never want to feel like I've arrived, I guess. And I think that's something you always preach too, but it's, uh, it's definitely fun to kind of give each other a hard time because that spin big buck killer can be taken so many different ways. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, I do try to kill big bucks every time, but I also like just being in the woods and being up in a tree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, you know, you, you talk about, you know, this, this, you know, almost like spinning your wheels. Like if you're just doing the same thing all the time, you know, it's, I, I get worried about that. I, I, I never want to get complacent in this sport because I, I think when you get complacent and, and it stop wanting to learn is your results are going to change in the fall when you get like that. And it's, it's very important. Like, like you said, if your if your buddies are saying, man, you're just a big buck killer. Well, it's like, I, it's almost like I have a feeling that if, if I let my foot off the gas one off season, this will all, all change. And I, I have such a all or nothing personality. It's, it's either a hundred or zero, you know, like mm -hmm. I decided that I wanted to start chasing and pursuing the biggest whitetails I could find. Like I can't just 50% kind of do it. It has to be a hundred or zero. And, and the, if you ask my wife, sometimes that's good. And sometimes that's bad. Cause mm -hmm. you know, it's, she'll be like, you, you only have kind of like one hobby outside your family and friends like all you do is you you love bow hunting and i and especially bow hunting whitetails like that that's just what that drives me and it that's but i also know that i couldn't have other hobbies also because if i if i do golf league i gotta be a hundred percent in that i'm a hundred percent in that my bow hunting is going to take someone of a back seat and that that's just not okay with me. Unacceptable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you do, you are the co-host with Aaron Blasey on the fall. Yep. So has that, uh, made it worse talking more hunting or is that helps kind of like ease the week, weekend, week out stuff for you? Like, cause with me, like doing this podcast, I've really like, I know I did fantasy football one time because mm -hmm. I did, I joined the league and I was like, yep, I'm spending 20 bucks to do this. I'm winning this thing. Like, I am all in. And I ended up winning that year. But, man, I watched so much football. I paid way more attention to football than I needed to. I was on my phone constantly. And, you know, my family suffered because of it because I didn't have that good balance. So when I started this podcast, I was, like, very worried that I was almost going to go, like, too far mm -hmm. and, you know, trying to build it up or do anything like that. But actually, that hasn't happened. I feel like it's actually, like, kind of helped, like, ease that, like, you're always, like, behind. You know, like, you feel like you got, oh, time's ticking. Like, but now I have this thing that I can go back to and kind of, like, it's a hobby for me and I really enjoy it. But it's helped. But it could have easily went the other way. Like, oh my gosh, I'm just absorbing everything into this. Like I'm putting my, this before family. And, you know, so far it's been, it's been a balance, you know, I'm sure there's things I've done. I could do better, but I just wondered how you kind of took that, you know, hopping on the fall. If that was like, all go, all systems go, this is helping me out. Or is it like helping you learn? Or were you finding like, kind of like another thing you had to kind of balance? Yeah. Well, before I, I, I talk about how I balance, I'll, I'll give you a little backstory about about how it came about that for me to join Aaron over on the fall podcast. It was, you know, I, I had killed a, a, a really high end deer here in Michigan back in 2021. And 
that following off season somewhere in in February. It's actually got to be really really close to the, this exact time frame that we're talking now. Aaron and I, you know, like just through a lot of people are on social media. You know, I he killed he, if he killed something, I would congratulate him. Uh, if if I killed something, he would congratulate me. Or or if he had a really good podcast, you know, I'd, I'd leave a comment about like, man, I really enjoyed it. But outside of that, I had never met Aaron ever. Like you know, other than just maybe some interaction on on Instagram, basically. But I always, I was always drawn to his podcast just because he was a guy from Michigan, right? And that was at that time in my life, and still mostly today. That that's where you know the majority of my hunting is being done, just because I have a young family. But as I get older, that may change. Well, he had kind of you know put the put the bug in my ear about coming on and, and doing a podcast up at his place, and I said, "Well, where do you live?" And and we figured that out, and and. I was I was really hesitant, I'll be honest, because as much as I love now sharing uh sharing what I do, uh maybe helping one guy, maybe maybe someone gets one percent better because of something I said, or maybe I get one percent better because of something someone else tells me. I was I was very much a solo person, and still today, that's how a lot of my hunting is done. My circle is very very small. That's because it's I don't own any ground that I can just call mine and and only hunt. I'm hunting a lot of ground that other guys hunt also, and I I think it was just the 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 nature of the beast is to be kind of recluse and and quiet about everything I was doing. Well, I was, I was telling my wife, I said, man, this, this guy reached out and, and asked me to be on a podcast. And she was like, you should do it. You listen to podcasts all the time. And, and she's not wrong. Like I, I've been an avid podcast listener for, you know, a decade, you know, and not just hunting podcasts, just podcasts in general. I think they're, I think they're, to me, I enjoy them a lot more than the radio. The radio very seldom gets turned on nowadays. And I thought about it and, and there were some things in there where I was like, I wanted to avoid if I did this podcast. And, and so I told them, yeah, let, let's do it. And I just so by chance happened to have that buck that he wanted me to come up and tell a story about. I had the skull cap and he had asked me if I had, I said, yeah. And he said, well, bring it up. So, okay. And he was just building his house at his, at that time. And, and I met, you know, his, his wife and daughter and, and the, the his house was just roughed in in the inside, but he had a podcast studio completely mm -hmm. finished. I'm like, damn, this dude's got a whole studio, and it, this is the real deal, you know? Like, here we go. Like, this is this is uh, this is like Joe Rogan in my eyes. Yeah. I'm not a podcast, <laughs> you know? Like, here we go. And we we sat and talked, Nate. I mean, I, we probably chatted for an hour beforehand because I I remembered. He said, "Well, come on up, and and we'll we'll get some pizza and beer, and and make sure you got enough." liquid courage to do that <laughs> i was i was very worried i was very worried about who's gonna listen and mm. and not only like who but like just what people thought you know like i don't i, don't, I didn't want anyone to think like negatively i mean and not that everyone else's opinion matters but i just i just wanted to i wanted to represent myself and my family well you know like, i was just gonna say that it's more of like you you you've listened to enough and you you take this seriously and hmm. you you know want to be a good husband and a good family guy of the family yeah you don't want to go on there and you're putting yourself out there and 
have people think, man, who's this dude? Like, yeah. and it's really hard to like, I, I find it's hard to like explain to people how much goes into this mm -hmm. whole thing as a whole, like, you know, the lifestyle it is and all that. So I can, I totally can relate to that. And well, just to let you know, the first time I heard you talk on a podcast, I did not think any of those negative things. So <laughs> the liquid courage helped immensely. Yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate it, man. And it, I, I look back at, you know, and I think that was episode 206 over there on, on the fall podcast. And and I went up there to tell the story of, of that buck and, and we did that. But then we went on for another like two hours of just conversating about scouting and my process and all of that and it was a it was a great conversation but it was almost like that the seed was planted for that that friendship to build because you know then the following week you know he had texted me that hey it's you know your the the podcast i did with you it's going to drop and and i was like oh, okay and i was like well let me know if you get any feedback good or bad because i'm interested in him. that day it dropped and he, a lot of his buddies were like man, I just, I just love that. I just love listening to that guy. And, and he told me, I'll never forget the one comment that one of, I don't, I don't know what buddy it is of his, but his one buddy told me, he's like, dude, David's like my spirit animal. That's what he told me. <laughs> and I just thought it was the funniest thing, but the thing that really, uh, was opening to me was I didn't like, I, I, I didn't have like this huge Instagram or social media or nothing like that. I had, I had my close friends and family and some people through like the, the hunting community, but most everyone is someone I'd talk to, but I had a lot of guys reach out with questions and I was like, man, it's so wild. Like they're that they, they, they want to ask me a question. Like I didn't, I didn't think I was anyone. And still today, I don't think I'm anyone special. I don't see myself no different than any other bow hunter out there. And I, that day, like I, I was telling my wife, I said, yeah, they, I just keep getting these messages, people asking questions or just saying that they love it. That day I decided I was going to answer everyone that, that wrote me a message that day. I wanted to make sure because I, I was new to this too one time mm. and I still ask questions and I, I thoroughly enjoy when someone responds back to it. You know what I mean? They, they took the time out of the day to respond. And I, I made sure I did that. That was really, really important to me. And Aaron and I kind of just kept conversating through text message and a few phone calls. Then all of a sudden he asked me to come up one time and, and do a little scouting with them. And I said, okay, and, and let's go up scouting. It's a, a piece. And it was, it, that was a really fun scouting trip because he basically what gave me a map of a place he hunted but he gave me zero information about it. So he gave me like a blank canvas to have at, to have at it. And we went scouting that day and he's like, we should do a podcast about breaking that down. And I said, okay, that sounds good. And all of a sudden podcast number two was born with me. Mm -hmm. And then later that year, you know, that was like, you know, end of February, March, we did that scouting and, and then we just kept kind of chatting like buddies do he invited me up to go to the total archery challenge. And so we went up there and did podcast number three. I, I, I can remember it. And we just kind of kept talking, kept talking. And that fall rolled around and, you know, we were, it, it was funny because I was starting to like, 
I don't share trail cam pictures with all about two people. <laughs> and, and he was, you know, he was showing me some pictures and, and this and that. And so I, was like, I figure I'll, I'll shoot him over a picture of a couple of the bucks I'm hunting this fall. And, you know, and we'll, we're going to find out how good the trust really is kind mm -hmm. of, you know, and obviously we had no issues there, but Aaron had killed, he had killed a, his best Michigan buck in the fall of 2022 and he had asked me, he's like, Hey, would you want to come up here and kind of interview me? And I'm like, wait, what do you want me to do? What? Like, this is, this is your baby. The, Was the that puppy. the deer he shot? He stocked up on. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Sweet yep. deer. Yeah. yeah sweet dude, it's, deer. it's awesome. And he, he's just about ready to get that back from the tax in some pictures. So it's uh, it's coming to life, but you know, it was fun because I look back at doing that podcast. I knew so much about it where, when he's telling the story, <clears throat> I could somewhat not interrupt him, but you know, get the fine details about like, well, what way were the the beans the bean rows running? Mm. Were they east and west or north and south? What what way did he come in off the road? Stuff like that. But I was like, I was nervous because that like I said, that's his baby. I don't want to mess that up. Mm. Like he spent he spent years building that brand. And, and then uh, you know, I had killed a, a buck that year and, and I came up there and did that with um and then and then we had this idea of uh of running a series after the uh hunting season was over yep and actually my daughter my oldest daughter named it and it, that that was born right then and there the series one giant mistake and he said why don't you co-host this series with me that was the, kind of before the new year but we were recording stuff you know well before like january Dude, your 1. daughter came up with that that's yep. awesome yep. i love it like that, that's been yeah you guys are on doing season two of that right now and dude just that's so cool it's refreshing you know the, us white tail guys who are addicted to this or have such a passion you you hear that i think we all can relate to just dumb things happening rookie i mean anyone who's listened to this if you haven't you know given the fall a listen dude it's worth it for everything else but then the one giant mistake thing is done so well and is so fun like easy to listen to you know you can laugh along with the mistakes everyone's like and there's some big deer that mm -hmm. there's been some big heartache with some big oh, deer <laughs> and it's, it's unreal because everyone's story is different you know but yeah. it, the fun part was about you know when we thought about doing that because it's like you know, I, I love tactics just as much as the next guy, but you know, like after hunting season, we're like, let, let's just, how can we change it up? Like a mini series. And that's kind of where that was born. But out of that, what I found is there's actually a lot of tactics to be, to be had in there because you get to hear a guy's hump breakdown. And, you know, most of the time, the one giant mistake revolves around missing him or shooting him and not recovering him. But if, if either of those two happen, Nate, that hunter at least put himself in position. So there's a yep. lot of that we can break down how he got to that. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times it involves scouting, how the hunt broke down. But then there's lessons to be learned. That, or, you know, some of these mistakes by hunters that we've heard about, it's like I think about that and maybe next fall on October 18th, it comes to my mind. I'm like, I, I, I don't want to do that. I remember a guy talking about that. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's something that I don't want to do. So that the plan was to go into 2023 is I was going to co-host with Aaron on the one giant mistake series right before the new year 
you know, so somewhere at the end of December 2022, going into 23, I received a phone call from him while my family and I were on vacation. Basically, him and his wife had sat down and 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 uh, they wanted to know if I actually wanted to be a full time co-host on the on the podcast. And I was like, wait a second, like this, like people are going to find out everything about me now. You know, like it's like I how how secretive can I be still? And the one thing that I couldn't stop thinking about, Nate, was was those people that ever messaged me questions, because this is what I seen. When I first ever went on there and did episode 206, there was guys that would ask me a question in February, and then I would chat with them, and then that following fall, they sent me a picture of a buck they killed because something worked. Mm. And I, dude, I freaking love that. Like, that was, like, that was a guy applying, applying information to his own situation and finding success doing it. Mm. He still had to he still had to lace up his boots and he still had to go put the work ethic in. But it was like I seen that and that right there. And I love that, but it, more than anything, when when Aaron offered me to co-host, he said this to me. He said, But DJ, he said, if you think at all this will affect our friendship, then I don't want you to do it. Yeah. Cause I'd rather have our friendship than you as <laughs> co-host. And that, like, I didn't, like, of course, I went and talked to my family, you know, my, my wife and my two daughters. But when he told me that, I, I already had my answer in my head what I wanted to do. So that is that is kind of where that was, that's been born. I know that was super what a long. cool. No, dude, like, that's so cool hearing that because that's, you know, that helps build the, the brand of the fall. You know, like, that, mm-hmm. anyone who listens to that story can you know tell if you don't if you're not a familiar listener or whatever you can see what kind of guy aaron is and what you guys are trying to represent it's really cool to see that because you guys are fellow bow hunters in michigan you care a lot about this you care about the sport i think it's all really important stuff and i think the reason why you get such a you know enjoyment out of you know maybe helping a guy out because you can probably think back to a bunch of people who like kicked you in the butt and said Mm -hmm. or said something to you or you picked up something on a podcast that you like just need that light bulb moment and it took someone that you could relate to and you were able to go out there and see the success that they had and used it. And you're like, I mean, can you remember the first time you did a hanging hunt and you went to a tree you've never been to before and you like climb up there and then all of a sudden you see a deer you're like, Oh my gosh, this works. Like I remember that. That was like eight years ago. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. You know? Yeah. I mean that those little moments are, uh, are really cool. And like, I was blessed with the hunting family. I was blessed with, you know, uncles and my dad and people who are serious about shooting deer and trying to you know pass in deer so like i was i was raised up in that to an extent um you know i took it to different parts and did some other things but like there's a lot of people who just have no idea like they hear scouting or they hear yep i went and hunted a a funnel in the rut like what does that mean you know if you don't know what it is it's the learning curve can be quite extensive you know like if i think of all the things my dad taught me and my family members or close friends taught me if I had to learn that all myself by myself, I would not be anywhere near the hunter I am today if I had to do that. So I think the podcast really gives people the opportunity to like say, Hey, if you want, like you said, if you want to lace your boots up and you want to be, you know, passionate and driven and put in the work, it can be done because here's a success story, you know? And uh, you can also do all that stuff 
and uh, have one giant mistake too. So <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is very true. You know, but you know, it's I, I'll never forget when Aaron said he said this to me. He says, you know, he said DJ. He said you you're doing you're doing things on such a high level in a in a state that you just don't see it a lot. And, and that was really is like we can use this podcast platform to educate people you know and and along the way though i tell you what like that guy has taught me a ton like i i i i've always enjoyed hunting content podcast uh shows videos youtube whatever the case may be that that dude's skill level you know not only just hunting but like his skill level like with editing videography photography is like the behind the scenes stuff the behind the scenes stuff that that guy does and has taught me is is it's mind boggling because it here's the thing here's the thing Nate it's it's a really cool mesh is because him and I talk about this a lot because I I struggle with this I, I you know we're on this call today and I I see a real nice white tail behind you on the wall <laughs> and at some point in time you had killed that white tail and you got your picture with it and you posted it i do the same thing and everyone is always super nice congratulations they like the picture all the good stuff right the problem with it for me with the picture it doesn't ever 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 show what it took to get to the point of that picture and i'm not saying what it took to have that nice picture i'm talking about everything it took in the last year or two years or a decade of learning to finally get that picture with that, that deer you've been after or something. So, you know, that, that, that's where, that's where it's nice for like Aaron, he knows how to tell stories. Mm -hmm. He's teaching me because that, that, that's something that it's quickly becoming a big passion of mine where it's like, I, what, what's behind the picture? What, what did it take to get to that picture? You know, that's, that's, that's really important to me, but no, man, it's, it's been a wild, uh, it's been a wild, like, you know, basically last year for me, it's, mm. I would have never guessed I would, I would be doing this, you know, the co-hosting with Aaron and, uh, but I, I'm forever grateful, you know, for what he's done for me, but more than anything, our, our friendship, but yeah. it's, uh, it's given me a really nice outlet to be able to talk about hunting, um, and not just to my family all the time. They, they're probably a little thankful for, you know, dad and, and husband, not to just be talking their ear off all the time. But, you know, here's the plus side. I've already talked about it. I'm a student of this game. So when you give me a chance to bring on a, 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 a guest every week, whether I know him already or I don't, I'm looking, I'm looking for some tidbits in there that I can apply and I, you know, that may sometimes, you know, with these conversations are had same as, same as will most likely happen here tonight. They, we do this podcast, but then guess what? We'll probably shoot each other some texts here and there throughout the year. And it's those conversations that, uh, you know, I, I hold a lot of value to also. Yeah. And you, I love how, so you picked a really good deer to say that on because that deer behind me that you can see, I shot that deer in 2017. I shot him on a hanging hunt. Um, I first time in a property, but however, I had went five years without shooting a buck with my bow because in 2012, um, I got a trail camera. I don't know what year I got. I got a trail camera probably like 2010 ish. Um, 2011 was the first time I got a trail camera. 
but that was the first in 2012 i shot an eight point um yeah i had him on camera in, in september going in october i did the whole early season i hung a stand like that friday um and then i hunted it that saturday morning or i hunted it sunday morning i can't remember what morning it was but knew the deer was there from a trail camera picked this deer out i thought it was 130 inch eight point i was like this thing's giant like it's the biggest deer i've ever seen on camera actually the second biggest i had a bigger one but um i went in there early october in the morning shot him on a scrape like so like i was pumped everything was great perfect shot broadside get up to him as a year and a half old eight point it was not very big at all and i had like been passing a lot of six points a lot of other deer and that was the first time i was like i'm gonna kill that deer because i think it's giant was not maybe it was a two-year-old maybe i've cut myself a little too hard but i remember seeing that deer and i was so like i was so happy everything went together so well like i did it you know but i was like you know what? i'm i gotta stop I'm, i don't want to shoot these kind of deer anymore like i want to go up to the next level so I shot that deer, did a European mount on him, and to make matters worse, my dad had a shot fire that fall or that spring, and that I lost that rack and I lost oh. that Euro mount. So like it was a really bitter time, kind of like man, that was I have some good pictures of him still, but at that point in time, I was like, I'm done doing this. I'm gonna shoot bigger deer, three and a half years old. That was kind of like my goal. Well, it took me five years to do it, and I ended up shooting one of my biggest bucks. I think he still probably is the highest scoring deer I've shot in Michigan, and. uh yeah, when you when you post that picture, you don't know any of that heartache. Like I, that, yeah. what I learned in that five years and the amount of deer I passed, there might have been a miss or two in there too. But it made me the hunter I am today. You know, from 2017 to now, I mean, I've been on a tear. Like, and I credit all that to like that frustration and that heartache from 2012 to 2017. You know, mm -hmm. so but yeah, it's a great deer you picked for that. But uh, also, I do yeah, want to kind of like roll into he's, um he's a he's a stud dude like that's a nice deer but here's here's what i i guarantee you though nate i don't mean to interrupt you but no you, you know that you, when you look at that deer even if he wasn't your biggest deer still to date whatever that deer was that year you know you shot that you know say if he's three and a half years old or older when you look at that deer you don't think about that he's just the biggest deer on the wall you think of exactly what you said you think about the five years that you poured into finally being able to have a deer like that. And, and I tell you what, I think situations like that, like you were so happy that day to kill that deer. And like you said, you posted a picture, nothing wrong with it. I do it too. People just don't see. And, and outside of your close family and friends, they don't know what went into that. You know what I mean? But I tell you what, I look at my, a lot of my very first like bucks I've killed the ones that like, or even, even still today, the ones that really are pain in that, pain in my ass like those like that buck over your shoulder there you know how many more deer have died to you because of that deer you know what i mean like that that's what i love oh, you know what I mean? yep, yeah, you got you it know, it's, like, <laughs> it's like yeah like dude like i love that i shot that one because dude it's gonna kill a lot of other bucks yep and i do want to kind of like roll this into that story because as you said that it started like rekindling some stuff scouting actually played a huge role of be shooting that deer um and you're kind of like that's your bread and butter like scouting is and i think that's why you're so relatable because you scout pro private properties like you always heard guys had to scout public properties so i feel like somewhere in the lineage of you listen to podcasts or i don't know where i'd love to know if you kind of know you heard someone talk about boots on the ground public land this is what you have to do and you're like, I'm doing that on my private pieces. And 
man, it is a formula that kind of was against the grain, I think, when you started doing it because the private land guys, you were always told, stay out, stay out, stay out. Don't hunt mornings until this time. Don't do this. Don't do that. You know, hunt the edges. Don't go in deep. You know, that's kind of been like the Michigan mindset maybe and i'm sure there's a lot of other states but like i remember that was like the biggest hurdle i had to like that barrier i had to like break through in my hunting career was like no i don't have to hunt the edge of that field 20 times this year i can go in and only hunt that property three times and have three awesome sits by learning like trail camera data or you know being smart and scouting and seeing where the trails are where the scrapes are like all that so was there a point in time like why did how did that click for you that you're like man i can i don't who cares about this property i'm walking the whole thing and i'm gonna see what's going on yeah yeah so that all came about in right around the 2011 to 2012 year and it's just so happened to be the in between those two years after my 2011 season I sat and watched a buck I called Fish Hook. It was kind of the first deer I'd ever named. It was kind of my the first real good buck on camera. And I could get I could see this deer any day of the season I wanted to, Nate. I I truly could. But this deer also lived on a piece that I had just it was new to me. Like someone offered me to be able to go hunt th- this 30 acres. And my whole life I grew up hunting a pretty big piece of the ground. But there was always tons of guys to hunt it, like double digit guys, like 10, 10 to 14 guys at any given season would be hunting it. And so when someone offered me a 30 acre piece to come hunt it, I, I turned them down. Nate. I was like, oh, it's too small. Mm-hmm. It's, and you gotta remember, I, I, I didn't really care about big buck hunting at that time. I just thought it was too small. Plus, I didn't want to have to. I didn't want to have to sacrifice. You know, I'd have to go take a tree stand down from this piece of property and sticks to go put up. No, I just wasn't going to do that. Well, the landowner kept saying, you know, DJ, I, there's a nice, nice ten point out back here, and uh, I, he, the landowner says, I see him all the time. He's out back there, and and he kept saying, no, no, I like, I, I truly, I truly didn't believe it. Like, I didn't think it could be done because it just wasn't a big piece of ground. Well, he said, there's an old permanent, you know, like a, a treated two by four tree stand out there. It's been there forever. He says, you should just go sit in it. He's like, I am telling you, you will see that deer. He's like, you'll, you'll kick him up walking out there, but you will see, he'll come back out. You'll see him. And the, the property was very uh, young, immature property. So the tree selection was very limited, but it was thick, right? Well, finally, the day before Michigan gun season in 2011, so November 14, 2011, I finally took him up on his offer. Why? I I don't I don't really know. Glad I did though, but I I don't really know why I did. That day, as I I can see the tree stand, I can see it with my eyes, and boom. Here jumps up this buck, and at that time, I was like, I hadn't, I didn't ever see a deer like that before. And I was like, Holy cow! And I was like, Well, I everything I've always known is that, like, if I kick him up, he's he ain't coming Gone. back. Mm-hmm. So I get in the tree stand, sure, shit, he come back and just out of bow range, Joe. And then the following day was gun season. And for some reason, around that time frame, I was really starting to be like, all I want to do is bow hunt. So I carried my bow. And for the next 
like it was eight or nine days i would see that deer and never kill that deer like he like it, i look back at it and was like if that deer showed up today or the yeah, hunting season now with the, my style of hunting by the second sighting i should have that deer down he's in trouble yeah he's in right. trouble yeah so but I, that year at the end of 2011 i i quickly was starting to realize that like dude like being lazy quote i sh- i don't want to say lazy because there's nothing wrong with like hunting the same tree stand if that's if that's what someone wants to do but i was complacent right mm. i i seen what the, what the deer was doing all the time i could see that well go into hunting the hunting show season right i i meet a guy by the name of todd pregnance that owned white knuckle production he he actually was born and raised not too far from where you live over there He's, mm-hmm. he was over on the west side well he had moved to iowa well i, I was really certain he, like he had the shed videos where he would get jacked when he'd find a shed right yes yes dude okay. the dude was just oozing with like love for it like his, loved his, it you you could never argue the guy's passion you couldn't do it but a couple things here i'm glad that you brought up those those shed videos well we go to like the the lansing deer and turkey expo or something like that and i'm walking by his booth and i'm like watching it and I just I catch myself watching the the video playing there, and it's not even deer hunting. He's just out walking in the wintertime. and we get talking. I'm like, "What are you What are you doing, dude?" You know, like, <laughs> like no one was doing that. No, everything on television or DVD was just just you know deer being shot. Well, that was shed hunting. He was scouting, and then he was then he said he showed me DVD and. I said, what's, what's that on your back? He said, well, it's a tree stand. And I said, we do, you, why is it on your back? You know, <laughs> so I take it in, basically take it in and out with me all the time. Whenever I, I can hunt wherever, whenever I want. I said, well, okay. And so I bought a DVD. And, but before I left, he told me something. He said, he says, if you don't like the, the success you're having, you got to keep moving. And it's still today, Nate, that I still think about, I, I, t- I literally think I've said that on every podcast I've, I've been on as a guest because it's so important to me. Well, I take this DVD on and I, and I start watching it and I, dude, you could take away the hunting on it. I, I could not stop watching what he was doing in the off season. Why? I don't know. Maybe because no one else was doing it at that mm. time. And all he did is have a handy cam. He literally carried that handy cam <laughs> with him everywhere. And shed hunting, scouting. Then in the summertime, he would he would release 15 videos. It was called like 15 Days of Hell. And all he was doing was prepping trees for this mobile hunting set. So you want to know what I did? I was going to mimic that. Because that, I thought, was going to be the key. And, you know, yeah, my circumstances were different than his. He was in Iowa. I was in Michigan. The deer on his DVDs, and he had a web show called Whitetails Inc. They looked a lot different than the my bucks. But I, I was like, that's that's what I want to do. And so 
that like that off season, I go out and I'm, I think I'm going to, I'm going to shed hunt. Like this is, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to shed out and scout. Well, I quickly realized, you know, you think back about, I said the, about the property I kind of grew up hunting that had other guys hunting it. I quickly was like, you know, I've hunted this property for a long time. And once I started walking it, I was like, I don't think I've seen 90% of this property. Yep. And still today, like, I don't hunt that property a lot anymore. But every year I'm going to walk it just to make sure if there's something new to learn. But so somewhere along those lines of, of seeing someone else doing it, seeing success, and then me doing it. But in my own terms, like I had, I had to, I couldn't replicate exactly what he was doing because his ground was different than my ground. But when I started scouting like that, Nate, it was like, I was finding spots that I had never seen before in, in, in buck sign I had never seen before because it's not surprising, right? Because mm. the buck sign that was around the areas that I always hunted, of course there wasn't buck sign there anymore because I've been hunting those places for years, mm. year in, year out. When I went and scouted that little 30 acre track that, you know, hadn't been being hunted and that guy offered me to come out there, it was clear that there was a big deer that lived on it. Looking back, it was like, dude, that was, that was amazing. Mm. You know, like it was, it was untouched. But also at the same time, no one, no one around me was doing this stuff. Like it was once hunting season when it was over, that was it. And, and I can remember like the first couple landowners, they're, you know, I'd park wherever they would like me to park. And they were like, everything okay? And they're like, are you just getting tree stands or something out of there? And, nope, scouting. Dog and I are scouting. And I said, we'll be back at dark. Like I, I'll, I'm going to walk. Yeah, but what also happened during that time, it only took me about two years of scouting the the pieces I had, and I was like, I need more ground. Yep. So then it opens up where not only am I scouting, I seen direct success that very first year from it. The, the two thousand twelve, I shoot at that time was my biggest year in Michigan. I never shot anything like it. Shot them out of a mobile tree stand set up in a spot I've never hunted before on a property that I've hunted for years. So Love I, it. Instant, Love it. Yes. Instant, instantly seen it. Right. But it also like same thing. You just talked about that deer behind you, that deer right there. He, he hooked me. He mm -hmm. hooked, me, you know what I mean? And, but I also realized and I learned this the hard way. You can't let your foot off the gas pedal either. Cause that's what I did. I, I thought that, Going into after 2012, seeing that success, I thought in 2013, I'd just replicate exactly what I did before. Nope, didn't happen. Matter of fact, every deer I've killed in Michigan since 2012 has never came from the same place. Dude, Once. I I love that you bring that up because that was one of my questions I wanted to ask you because mm -hmm. this year was the first year since 2017 I shot the, a big mature deer on the same property. It's yeah. taken that long. And, um, yeah, first time, first time I've done that. Like, yeah. it's always it, been a new property. It's always been a different tree. It's always been a different time of year. Yeah, crazy. That's I love that you bring that up because it's. Yeah. I don't think it's hard to like explain that. And when you said you started scouting more, you learned very fast that you had to find more spots because I think it does. Like, 
There's no cheating yourself. Like mm-hmm. there's no like you everyone everyone can probably remember you know laying in bed and you're just like, oh, I love that big, huge deer to come walking out. Could happen. It could happen, you know, this big one could come around the corner chasing a doe or whatever. But when you go out there and you start walking around and scouting, it's pretty easy to be like, you know what, this isn't it. Yeah. But maybe next year it could be it. Like that's why like you bring that up. You always go back and check. Like you got to find them and they're pocketed. And yeah, as soon as I started scouting, I'm like, yep, I need more spots. Like I got to, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't want to waste my time. Like I think that's the thing. Like you said earlier, you know, lazy hunter. It's not, yeah, lazy hunter can be taken the wrong way. But mm-hmm. if you get enjoyment out of like, I'm a lazy gun hunter. I'll just be, I'll be straight up honest. Like we go sit our gun spots. You know, you hang out in the heated blind all day. It's a good time. It's a family thing more for, more so for me. That's the polar opposite of what I do with a bow in my hands, you know. And I only sit somewhere if it's like high, like I'm killing, like I'm sitting here in this tree because I feel like I'm going to kill something. But to get to that point, the amount of like properties you've had to walk or like scout in season scouting, you know, I don't know how often you do the summer scouting. I've heard you talk about a little bit of it, but like this time of year, there's a lot of like, you just said before you got on, you were scouting today, you Mm -hmm. know, like you're out there doing it. Like there's so much time and effort you got to put into it to, feel good and i every year is a new year it's like man how am i gonna kill that deer i don't know i need to like i don't have anything figured out because i could think i'm gonna kill him one tree but i might kill him not even in that tree and it might take me two years from now to kill him like you just don't know yeah yeah and, and it's funny because you know you talk about the the scouting and the scouting right now i i think about a decade ago um when i was first learning to uh scout you know like when i was just kind of somewhat starting to build my own process it's funny because <clears throat> i had heard you know well as soon as like it starts greening up and turkey season rolls around like you know then oh scouting isn't that good and that's what i would do and then quickly i realized it's like well there's no sense of sitting around even though it's green up like there's still things i could i could go learn I could learn the way of the land, how it flows. I could prep trail camera trees. I could do, I could prep trees that I possibly want to hunt. And it's, that's evolved over the years where before I would say, well, scouting season's only, only three months. Well, then it, then it became three months to six months. And then it become, you know, now I want, you know, postseason. I want green up. Now I'm scouting summertime too. And now then it leads right into hunting season where it's like, there isn't, uh, honestly, Nate, I, I really think of it. If I is if I'm not on vacation somewhere with my family, there's probably not a, a week that I'm doing some type of scouting, whether it's boots on the ground, you know, uh, glassing or knocking on doors, going to check new, you know, pieces of public land. Maybe I haven't been to. That's all scouting for me because mm-hmm. it, to me, like, you, you know, we talked about earlier today. I got the scout for 120 minutes, two hours, right? If it's one percent better today that's 1% better in the fall, in my opinion, you know, and, and, you know, we talked about that. I, I, I haven't killed two bucks yet from the same tree. Now I do think that's going to happen because as we've talked about scouting and then realizing I need more properties, I've built a really big, well, not really big, but a pretty good sized catalog of properties I can hunt. And that is, that is a, a true mix between public and private more private than public but both of them are mixed because listen you can take a five thousand acre piece of of uh, public ground and if i can find one spot in it dude i'll add that to my rolodex mm-hmm. because this is kind of what is changing now 
is over the years I, i've if it's as my family's gotten older we've gotten busier so i don't have a lot of time in the fall to hunt i honestly don't like i, I most falls i probably hunt less than 10 days that's that's probably a true number but the off season there's a lot of days spent out there so what i need is i need a rolodex of places to hunt and when i say places i'm not talking about just certain trees i'm also talking about certain properties public or private and what i need to learn and each of these you know the what i have to learn about the spot within the spot is when that spot gets good so i have a rolodex basically at all times that mm -hmm. Because I, I believe a lot of whitetails work in windows. Not only whitetails, but spots. Particular spots work in windows. And I've learned that through like historical information with trail cameras and sightings and just hunting these areas. I want to be able to have fresh places all the time. I want to be able to jump in here October 10th through 13th. I don't kill one in there. I should be able to go kill somewhere else in there. Unless I'm, start, unless I'm putting a visual on one where yeah. I need to stick around. But I, so now like the way I hunt like, like that now, I do believe there'll be a spot that is going to produce one two times. Cause once I, you know, when I start really dialing in, I think it's like a two to four year process with properties because you have to learn like the food, the, the crop rotation, everything like mm -hmm. plays a big factor in it, you know, but I, uh, I do think that day is coming. I've, I've killed deer in same general areas, but in the exact trees, uh, that hasn't happened yet, but it's, it's been close. It, you know, the, the general areas been pretty close. And a lot of times that could be, that could be just the simple, the fact of there's a new blowdown in there yeah. or, 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 you know, the swamp waters changed. And then sorry, you got sorry if you guys hear that. I don't know what's going on upstairs. Oh, you're crying. But, I don't <laughs> Okay, good. I'm Wait, looking at it know, like, is my roof going to collapse or what? <laughs> maybe that maybe the swamp water levels have changed up, pushes the deer just a little bit different. But yeah, that uh, I love scouting, dude. Like it's, you know, e even today, actually, you know, as we're recording this, I in even though I still have a lot of properties, I'm still jonesing for something new to look at. Today, I went and looked at something I've never looked at before a day in my life ever. Will I hunt there? There's a possibility, but I also believe that just putting my eyes on fresh stuff, I may see something today, Nate, that I can correlate to a property I already hunt. And maybe I overlooked it before, or maybe I seen something today that this this scenario it was a lot more visible and made a lot more sense. And maybe that's on a micro level inside of a different property I hunt. You know, just kind of. It, it, it circles back to being a student of the game. Yep. Right? Like that, that's continuously like what I think where it's, it's hard because it, we're on such limited time. Someone could say, well, you're wasting your time. If you're not going to hunt there, you should be, you should be learning about the spots you want to hunt. Well, a lot of these spots, you know, they're that monstrous spots. I've learned them really, really well. You know, I, the, the hard part is to learn when to hunt those spots. Yep. That, that's to me is always the toughest, you know, but and also I, I, I want to go kind of touch on, you say, you know, you're walking properties that you might never hunt. There's so much value in that because when I, what I kind of realized, I think 11 years ago, me and my dad decided we're going to start hunting out of state once a year. Like that was our thing. We were both busy. We don't really make time to hunt. Like we're just going to take a vacation. We're going to do that. And, um, what I learned was when you go out of state and hunt, it's like, I'm just here to hunt. So you just 
inherently start walking around more, you know, a lot more public land was being hunted, you know, Kentucky, Missouri, Illinois. I've talked about this kind of before, but what all that did was the more I walked that stuff, when I came back to Michigan and walked around, I was like, okay, there's giant deer, giant deer, you know, like anything mature, three and a half and older, you know, all these other states, we see them with our eyes and like, you see where they come from. It's like, well, shoot, like you look on a map, Michigan looks a lot similar to that. Mm-hmm. So then you you walk all those miles there and then you come over back home and you start walking properties you have permission on or like family properties or public land. And then when you get to a spot, you like hit it and it's like a wall. It almost is like, like nowadays when I find a spot, like a zone, I'm like, okay, the spidey senses are going off. Like this is something good. And that can be as simple as like one year I was out rabbit hunting with a buddy and run the dogs and i happened to look and i saw this giant rub like i'm talking like one of the biggest rubs i've seen in michigan i like had to walk over there to make sure a human didn't make it like mm-hmm. and then there was like six more in this little pocket and that was like got my so something as simple as that can get your attention or like i went scouting this weekend and i found this one little spot that a tree had fell down and i noticed the deer were cutting around this tree a little different and i'm like now i can hunt that just yep. something as basic just because you know i've been to there so many different times and it's like i never would hunt there because i'd get backdoored by does you know trying to shoot the bucks and i just couldn't it was kind of like a spot it's just really hard to get into and now i'm like dude that tree just gave me that 20 yard buffer i need mm-hmm. so i mean there's the more time you put in there you see these things and be to different properties you'll know if a spot's worth investing time in like it kind of gives you that confidence because you've seen what stuff doesn't look very good you're not you know because guys always say that like I don't know where to go. I don't know, like, do I, am I wasting my time here or not? Well, if you put in the legwork, you'll you'll know if it's worth it. Like, mm-hmm. time and I like to use regular SD card cameras and let them sit all year. Oh like, yeah, I find a new spot, just set that thing on there, let it sit all year on a scrape, make a mock scrape. I just pulled one two weeks ago, and I thought maybe it'd be a good early season spot. Kind of in my head, I was like, you know, slide in there and get you know get lucky, kind of on a buck that's not quite ready, still in a southern pattern didn't have a nice buck on there until October 18th. So yeah. like, and then he was, there was bucks there, you know, the first, like probably like a four day window. And then they came back November 3rd to the 7th. So guess yeah. what I'm doing this fall? I'm going to be the best time. If I have the weather conditions are right, I know October 18th through the 23rd, November 4th through the 7th. Like those are my two windows. Mm-hmm. I had it written down. Like that's, that's how I use that. Yeah, and that that's exact that so the what you just described is what I've been doing with SD card cameras for years. That 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 exact scenario and I mean, it's funny they even brought those windows up because the, running trail cameras like that is opened my eyes for the dates of October 14th through 19th. I I arguably think it's one of the best windows if you have a you know a big mature deer using your property and it's 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 great that you wrote them down because i was going to tell guys something i'll do is insert those pictures in my phone to like by date okay Mm. and so like this next this next october rolls around and you're rolling up to the 15th through 20th you can go right back to those dates from last year and just look do i have any pictures in here where where were those pictures located you know but it's uh you know, you, when you talk about guys uh, asking about is it worth them to, worth their time to go walk a property or hunt there, and you use that example of when you found 
that really big rub and you were in that area because of you might have seen something out of state. I like to call that copying pasting. And that's exactly exactly what I did today. I walked a brand new piece of ground, okay? And I looked at this piece of ground on the map and I knew I had two hours and I wanted to make the most of my two hours. So when I'm looking at this ground, this brand new piece of ground, I said, okay, I've hunted something very similar to this. I'm going to copy and paste what I've done at a different piece of property. And I'm going to do the exact same thing on this one. I'm going to walk this transition edge. I'll be just inside of it where I should be able to find the good sign at. I should be able to find trails parallel on that edge. And I'll have crossing trails making junctions on that edge. And there'll be breaks in that transition ed edge where the, the swamp is inside that bedding. And it, that's copy and pasting. It's something that you've directly have seen before. You've found sign scouting something like that before. Copy and paste that to a new piece. Doesn't mean it's dude, the one thing about this this sport. It's nothing's a hundred percent. Okay, like I always say, the words you know always and never should not be used when it comes to whitetail hunting because there's those two words just don't exist, right? But that that's a little bit of a, a fast track way to go look at a new piece of ground, you know, like you said, like walking something different, you could see it. Next thing you know, you're on an out of state hunt. You got three days to get it done. You're looking at the aerial photo and you're going, dude, you see that, you see that, that transition edge right there from that swamp to that hardwoods. Oh, there's some oaks in there too. You see where that, you see where that little bit of point of cattails comes out. I've seen that before. That's a starting. Mm -hmm. That's a great starting point. Maybe it hits, maybe it doesn't. But that that's like copy and pasting to me. Yep, love it. So, you you know you talked about 2011, 2012 was when you kind of started doing the change. If you had to think back through the years, because like now we're you know saying like okay, I'm super confident. You sit only a few times, and your your kill rate last couple of years has been fantastic. Like mm -hmm. you can follow along with some of the stuff you guys have talked about. How many days? And hours do you feel like you sat in a tree on a hanging hunt and not seen a target deer or seen a deer you know, those first few years? Because I have like, <laughs> I'd be sick to my stomach if I like counted how many hours I sat thinking I was in the chips, you know, like I'm here and you just see squirrels. Yeah. Yeah. That boy, those, those early on days. I mean, I, I can think back that that very first year, 2012, uh, the, the buck I killed in 2012, I had seen him three times um three times that year before i actually killed them but it was like truly like that's why i probably talk about like it's such a great example I've seen him once moved seen him twice moved closer seen him the third time killed them kind of thing right like so it was a direct mm -hmm. reflection but it, it was probably a lot because you want to know what you want to know what i had back then that i'm so glad i don't have now dude i had fomo so bad when it came to hunting it like it, it put such a bad taste in my family's mouth that I had like, I, I was probably an asshole, honestly, whereas I had this feeling of like, if I'm not out there, I'm not going to get one kind of thing. Mm. And so when you, when you ask about how many hours or sits in those early years of mobile hunting, dude, a, a lot, it, it, there was, there was a lot, you know, because part of, part of my learning process back then was, you know, I was scouting, but I was learning a lot about bedding, but I was also learning about like, you know, type of deer i'm hunting where i'm going to be hunting these deer in these locations you're just not going to see a lot of deer i mm -hmm. i'm hunting areas i'm looking for one deer a deer not a bunch of deer looking for the deer to come through there 
and so there was there was a lot of there was a lot of sits um that i just wasn't even seeing a, a, a target or a target buck um i i think over the years i i've done i've done a good job of like when i do when i do see a buck a lot of times i can that buck's going to be in bull range it's just whether or not it's going to be so how thick it's going to be because that's yeah. one thing about a lot of places i hunt it's like dude it's just he can be inside top pin club but dude it's just so thick in there and i think i think that's also a little bit of the correlation of why i i put the gun down back in 2010 is like the places i needed to hunt to kill these big deer they were all they were all within top pin club of it all right equipment. we gotta we gotta roll this story in because this is like it's just hitting home so you did a podcast like late summer and you talked about like he had asked like what are you doing right now you know what can what kind of words of wisdom you can give and i've always been a guy in michigan i've been using scrapes for a long time um i always look for big tracks like that's something that's been but like i kind of forgotten about tracks like mm -hmm. this year like you know you you get in the busyness of life and it's like this is the basic thing to tracks and you had said i do my little fly around or you look and you're just checking trails and seeing if the, his track is there and dude it was like a light bulb went off i heard that the next day or that following weekend really quick after i had a trail camera that was not like producing a cell cam and it was an area that was, i ended up killing this deer but like he had been there but i hadn't had a trail cam picture in two years i went in there checked a couple creek crossings and i was like dude that's his track like mm -hmm. it's his track like i okay game on i'm not giving up on this and uh you had said that which was fantastic and then I only hunted that spot. I hunted one tree in the morning, and then that night I moved a tree and shot that deer. But I seen him the first. He was thirty five yards away when I first saw him, and I could not shoot him until he got eighteen yards from me. Like that's mm -hmm. how thick it was, and that was like direct correlation to like how you've been preaching that. Like, yep. it's like I know that. Like, but you say something like that, it's like, dude, I do the same thing, and I don't even realize it. Like, I've always been drawn to that little quadrant because of the cover, because of the the sign the tracks that i see him going in and out of that area like where i saw his track was not near where i killed him but that was just one of the exit trails from mm -hmm. that and then you do a loop around check the other side there's no tracks over there so it's like okay he likes to go in and out right here like this these little things that you talk about i think that's why it's so relatable because i love it like i've been tore up with whitetail honey you know love the mobile game and listen to all the podcasts but then you say one little thing like that and it's like, oh my gosh, that's like, I need to take advantage of that. And yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty cool, dude. Like you bring the top pin club in, like you, sh I think you shot deer was all the deer you shot this year. You talked about how like one was like eight yards away. That was yeah. like the only hole. Like what, like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, so I shot three bucks this year. Um, I shot the, the first one was eight yards. The second one was 19. And then the, the third one was 13 yards. So they're all, they're all real close. You know, that, that's what bull hunting is for me. You know, it's yeah. the, the farthest I've ever shot a deer was, it was 31 yards and boy, a lot of the places I hunt, like, dude 31 yards looks like a long ways like you're just you're really having to you know thread a needle through it but dude i tell you what i love that that story about what you just talked about with the track thing because one you heard something right but then you went and applied yourself to mm -hmm. the situation and, and that's where that's i think that's where a lot of people uh that's where the divide is when people listen to podcasts or, or to try to take uh hunting content is is they can listen everyone can listen but if you can't go apply it to your own situation, that that's a huge difference, you know. But I love uh, how you said that. Well, you had a, a camera in there, but you weren't getting 
you weren't getting this picture or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. that two things. One, the thing about tracks is that's the one thing they can't hide. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're damn, and they're damn good at hiding. You know, they, they, not every buck's going to lay down a bunch of scrapes. Not every buck's going to lay down a bunch of rubs. He can walk by one single tree that your camera's on and you're not going to get a picture of them. But if, when you start really paying attention to tracks, they, they just can't hide those. Nope. Even if they cross a, a paved road, guess what? As soon as they step on that shoulder or they decide to cross that ditch, he's leaving tracks somewhere. And and I tell you what, this is something, it's maybe someone that hasn't done a lot of looking at tracks and stuff. Next time you're uh, driving down the road, as long as it's not like a super busy highway or something, but say if you're out on some back roads and you see some deer run across in front of you, dude, check, get out right where they, they cross the road and look at the shoulders of the road. You know, look at what it looks like when the, when just after rain, what's it look like when it's just, you know, the dog days of summer and it's dry out. Like you can learn so much about that is I'll be honest. I do a lot of track checking on roads in the summertime. If I lose, if I lose a deer's, let's say I've been following a deer all summer, or if I can't, if I'm not getting his picture, just like you said, I, I'll go check different road crossings that I know some deer in the area will use. And I'm just trying to get a sense of, you know, has he crossed here? And if he did, guess what? That track is going to give me a direction. Mm-hmm. And he may move on the next square mile. So now I know somewhere else I need to be focusing. Or maybe I need to go knock on a different door. But the one thing, though, this is the camp I, I live in right here. You said that you didn't know where that deer was. Okay. But you went out there to look for his track. I live in the camp. If you have questions, you have, or wait, how, how do I say? Yeah. If, if you, if you have questions, you have to go find the answers. And I don't care what time of year it is. If, you, if that same question is, you know, third week of October and you don't know the answers to it, go get them. You got to yep. go get them because like, if you don't like, you know, we talk about being unlimited time. I, I don't have time to waste. You know what I mean? Like I, those, those hunts have to be pristine. A picture for you. You are sitting, you do your first cool morning, October 24th. Let's say you have a good beat on the area. You feel really good about it. You go in there, you get skunked ghost town. Nothing's going on. Are you the guy that will climb down and just go right back to the truck and leave? Or do you do like a little, like, I'm going to go do a little quick little scout right now and right here since I'm here. Oh, I did. I'm always, I'm always scouting, you know, because yep. a couple of things, if it's October 24th and it's a, it's a morning hunt, if I'm in the area, I'm in that area for a, a particular reason. There's most likely a deer I'm after. And, and honestly, it, I, I don't want this to come off wrong, but like if, you know, when you're on such limited time, if I'm going hunting, I expect to see if not kill that deer that night. And if he doesn't show up and if I don't see him, then I got a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of questions in my head. It's one thing if I see him and then, you know, say he skirts me and I say, okay, DJ, you're just off. You're just off this morning. But, you know, if, if I know he's in the area and I don't see him, then the questions are, okay, it's October 24th. Is it, is he already following a doe? Is he late to bed or did he already beat me to bed? There, there's a lot of questions mm-hmm. being had, but you always got to constantly be looking at the sign like i don't i don't care if if you are walking in the woods right now trail camera season in the dead of july if it's the morning of october 24th i I don't care you you better be paying attention because 
all it could be is is one little clue, one little clue that could just tip you off, you know. Yep, that happened. <laughs> it happened to me last year, and um, I hunted in the morning. I was like, man, I have seen deer in here. I've seen good deer in here in years past. I've got pictures of them. Why am I not seeing? Why did I not see anything? Like conditions are great. Um, and I got down and I did like a little like semicircle, you know, hit the areas where I typically see deer. And, um, I walked over there and a neighbor had a tree stand on the property line that had no idea about like none. Like that was like, okay, that makes sense. Like now that is, I don't know how many times he's hunted it, but like, he's not doing anything wrong. He's on his property. I could just see it through, you know, he's close to the property line, but he was in his rights and it was like, okay. I felt good. I validated myself. Like I didn't see any deer because of that. Now I know I'm not wasting any more time here. Mm-hmm. And that's also how it happened the other way. Like do your little walk out. You're already there. Like if you can be smart, you know, don't have your wind blow everywhere. But you know, I've came back the next day or hunted that night and had great sits because it's like, man, I was off 60 yards or I was off 80 yards, whatever it may be. Yeah. So, it, it, no, it's, I, and I tell you what, I, I have one deer that I, I think about when, when you talk about that is, is it's actually the, the biggest deer I've ever killed in Michigan is the deer was in the area. There's no doubt. Right. I was getting his pictures. Um, never seen him on the hoof for three years. I'd never seen the deer on hoof and he'd always, how, you know, when he, when he zigged, I zagged when, when I zagged, he zigged, it was just back and forth, but he's all, he kept you, he kept you, you know, just enough alert because of the pictures that would come in every once in a while in that uh, that buck was from 2021 and there got to be a point in october and this is only middle of october it's that's probably two and a half weeks in the season and honestly i probably hunted like four times but it, after four times i had, had i had, had enough like my next hunt was not going to be hunting my next hunt was scouting i was going to tear the entire place apart because i knew that tail end of october and the beginning of november was going to come and I found that time, you know, even, even scouting that property, like I knew it, you know what I mean? Like, and I think that's part of being, you know, being mobile is also knowing maybe where you're going to move kind of thing. I tore that whole piece of property part and the deer was just not laying down a bunch of sign. I came to this, this, this natural kind of funnel between two swamps and I kept looking at it and I kept thinking about where I was getting this deer's pictures from. And that day when I decided that I, you know, instead of hunting, I need to go scouting. Cause guess what? I need answers. If you need them, go get them. And there was just enough sign in this little funnel that, you know, we sit and talk about being mobile hunting that I decided from the end of October, the beginning of November, uh, yeah, I'm going to sit here. And I'm going to sit here till I kill this deer. And it was because of that day in the middle of October when I decided that, you know, dude, I was hunting this deer. Like it was, it was one of the few deer that I was actually like, it's him or nothing kind of year. And four sits in, it just, it wasn't happening. I could just feel it. I, I just, I just felt that was behind them. And that day going and looking little, little bit of sign. It wasn't even big buck sign, but it was just enough sign. And when you, when I got in that area, Nate, there was one track in a muddy swamp trail and I knew the deer, I, at least I knew the majority of bucks on this piece of ground. And I seen that track. I was like, that, that he uses this. I just don't know when he uses it. 
And so that's why that November I decided I'm sitting here until I kill him. Luckily, he came by the very first night. And I <laughs> sat there so have to. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. cool. I mean, that's that sounds great. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, that's like the formula right there. But like the amount of miles and time and effort you put in to get to that point is yep. it's hard to it's hard to explain. And yeah, you can that's why the hunting's so cool because that journey of I just I keep preaching it like every week, like just get outside, guys. Like go out there, enjoy it. Doesn't matter what point in your career you are, how old you are, like just soak it all in and just like be in areas that deer like to be in, and you'll learn. And that's so cool that you found that little that little pocket, like that little spot. And you you got the commitment and the term determination They're like, yeah, I'll, I'll ride this hole, man, because you're just confident in that setup. Yeah. And uh that's a hard thing to do, man. That's I've I rode the hole in Missouri one year because I just there was there was a, some big tracks actually in a scrape and I had seen a deer uh a track. I said actually I did not I thought I saw the deer. I can't confirm 100 percent if it was him or not, but saw a really big deer, walked over there the biggest white tail track I've ever seen, you know, and then I scouted my way back. It, this property was probably like, it was almost 300 acres. It was one of those, um, semi, uh, it was a lease, but it was like, we, we paid for the week, but we could do whatever we wanted on it. Only, only one other, two other guys were hunting it kind of a thing the whole year. So like we had our week, they had a different week. So me and my dad tried it. This is quite a few years ago, but I found that track and I backtracked that track. And it was like, he hit this scrape like this the day before i got here or like the night we got here one of the two was like fresh and um i rode that hole man all week like just toughed it out past like two or three really nice deer because i was like there's no way that's a deer and um totally worth it you know like i i was like i was committed to the cause because i was like i need to kill that deer whatever left that track and you know i don't i didn't have the gripping grin after but also it was i learned a lot like i saw what all those other deer were doing i saw you know i was playing that but uh what made me think about that story too was the track and the scrape we all have cameras on scrapes probably like everyone's seen that you make your mock scrape well if you get a really big deer on that scrape when you go check that camera or whatever maybe if you're in the area look at his track that he Mm -hmm. leaves like you were saying like i've done that and then it's like and then you know what a scrape looks like after they piss in it like okay how fresh is this like the same stuff you're talking about i've used that to my advantage like or like I even had a buck one, uh, a buck make a, I had a mock scrape set up and a buck made a rub like right next yeah. to the tree. So I was like, and it was like a two and a half year old deer. And I was like, I wonder what that looks like, you know, like, and I went there within a week and looked over at that rub and I was like, yep, way below my waist, you know, like shredded, you know, everything's broken. Like he was just a mad old deer, you know? And then the buck I killed this year, the seven point, he, he was end up being a nine, he had like a dagger, the deer I was telling you about the track yeah. and stuff he would leave rubs and i could tell the rubs because of that little dagger he's had for like three years i mean he ended up being seven and a half years old i got the teeth age back but i hunted that deer since 2019 and like tell you what i knew his track and i knew what, what trees he rubbed because yeah it was so unique you know and that helped a lot but maybe we're a little we're a little sick because we we know those things but hey it's a piece of the puzzle that got me to shoot the deer you know so it's yeah. really worth it well it's it's the small details nate uh i me and my buddies talk about this a lot is that in my opinion the small details kill the biggest animals in and it's like that the details of like you being able to tell who's making that rub or you know does you know they all have unique tracks and okay does it is he this track is he 
get a chip toe or whatever that you know chipped hoof on it you know okay i know what that buck is it's, it's little details like that but i i i tell you that you know we talked about being it's tough to ride the hole and there's no doubt it is but you know the one thing about me buddies i i learn a lot of stuff from failure too okay now people did they just heard about they said well dj just talked about a story about you know that he was gonna you know ride the hole out in the spot and he killed the biggest deer of it you know that he's ever killed in michigan well guess what you want to know how that came about it's because a year prior i drew the golden tag for iowa right and guess what i guess what mistake i did there i left deer to go find deer and if i would have rolled the hole my my season would have looked a lot different in 2020 i didn't kill a buck in 2020 but i i learned a lesson if it's good if it's a good spot it's a good spot yep if your access and entry is good and your wind's good sometimes you just got to ride it out and i i should have done that in iowa now i couldn't take that back but what i could do is i could use that moving forward and i went and applied that the following year just like we talked about earlier that was in Iowa. It's totally different, you know, totally different terrain, totally different. But I took the principle of, listen, when the time gets right, you know, you know, the deer you're after is going to come through here. What we don't know, is it going to be daylight or dark? But you got to try it. You got to ride out, ride it out because he will, you know, that the, those best spots, they will come through there sooner or later. And if, if you're having a hard time catching up to them, sometimes it's, you, you just got to put tree time in. So how many spots are you com is pretty confident that you have in Michigan that you feel like you could ride that area and a good one will come by? Cause like, to me, I think those spots are very far and few between. Mm -hmm. So when you do, when you, someone like you says, that was a spot I knew I could ride out because your access is important, the wind and all that stuff. Like how I, I'm thinking in my head of all the spots I have, I maybe have two or three that I would be like, yeah, if I would just plant my butt here from October 28th to November 5th, like if, and I'm just not stupid, I'll probably shoot or see a really nice buck. But like, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, like, I think there's only two or three that I'm that kind of, I might not even be that confident enough that I would actually do it. Like, it'd be one of those things where it's like, yeah, if you had, if I had a gun to my head and I had to do it, I have to pick maybe one of those two spots. Yeah, I it's it's less than five. There's no doubt it's less yeah. than five. And that you know what the funny part is is, you know, we sat and talked about how it just worked. You know, and and we're we're talking about spots. You just said you have two or three. I said uh, I have less than five. Where it's like you know we know like listen if you just sit there like you will you will get your chance. Where it's like, but we still don't do it all the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're, it's so, so tough to do, and and yeah. it's funny because you know that there, there's something to be said that aaron and i when we we're just in in kansas this last year we talked a lot about two things one don't leave deer to go find deer that's easy to do boy is that freaking easy to do and this is just not get too mobile sometimes and as much as we love mobile hunting i i'm telling you right now it it costs me some opportunities in iowa just being too mobile you know yeah. or it's like it's sometimes Sometimes you got to slow her down when it, when it's the spot. It's simply the spot to be. Yeah, amen. I love that. All right, changing gears here a little bit. I respect your opinion. You know, you grew up, you know, you've been hunting. You're a little older than me, but you've been serious about this. Um, how do you feel about cell cameras? Because I know that's kind of a hot topic thing. Like, a lot of guys talk about it, but, like, it's one of those things that I used to be like, ah, it's not, I'm like, I'm totally for them. Like, it doesn't really help you. Still to this day, I don't think like, I don't think any cell cameras ever like been 
like that I killed that deer because of a cell camera. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't feel that's happened. Um, but I just want to kind of pick your brain a little bit about it because like you we all see the things on social media and you you hear people talk about how they use cell cameras and stuff like that. It's like nah, I don't like that. So where do you kind of fall, I guess, in that like tech we can kind of lump it as like technology in a whole, I guess. Like how do you feel? Yeah, for me, man, when I when I, it's we all see it. We all see the bickering, you know, like all oh, cell cameras and no cell cameras, dude. I, I have a tendency to just kind of stay in my own lane. I honestly like that. That's just kind of what I do. What I, what works for me, you know, if, if, if someone asked me, you know, what would you rather have the cell cams or the SD card cams or what ones maybe killed more deer for you? No question. No questions asked the SD card camera because it, but, but we talked about it earlier. We talked about, you know, letting them just soak for historical data, historical information about a buck I'm after or historical information about a particular spot. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, I've made all the mistakes, all the mistakes. Like you talked about earlier about running a trail camera in 2011. Listen, I bought the same damn D cell batteries for mine too. Like <laughs> hung them too low, checked them too off. I've, I've done it all, you know, but when it comes to cell cams, man, it's, uh, you know what the first ever actual appeal for me for a cell camera was i i have ocd when it comes to like a lot of my hunting stuff and let's just say which i can tell by the wall behind you i see (laughs) i see perfectly stacked sticks i see a bow i see a saddle i see everything just sitting there nice and pretty i even see the line if any carpenter here listens to me, OSB sheets have preset black lines on them. <laughs> Your climbing sticks are dead money on that line, buddy. Oh yeah, like yeah. Mo- <laughs> yeah. it's it's pretty bad. But dude, I I tell you what, like a decade ago when I was running just you know just straight SD card cameras, I I run a mix both cell cams and SD card cameras. But if I had twenty of them in my mind, this is what I would do. Okay, I got twenty of them, and I we have four weeks in a month. And starting in June, I'm going to put five out a week, five, then 10, then 15, then 20. Okay, guess what? All my cell cam, or not cell, all my SD card cameras are deployed. First week of July, what happens? My first, my first week of cameras, my, you know, cameras one through five, they got, they've got four weeks on them. It's time to check those. Second week and so on. And it was, it was just a, a constant cycle. Well, awesome and i was away from home a lot of times a lot of times then all of a sudden you know i can't remember the first time i got a a cell cam geez they were so pricey when they first come out with i mean my very first one was like a 3g cell camera you know which now the verizon has dropped all that but i couldn't i couldn't afford to have a bunch of them but i quickly realized that it, it wasn't about the the you know oh my gosh he's there right now it was a pure time thing for me it was, I could go, I could go put this out an hour away and I don't have to go check it all summer long. Cause that's what, mm-hmm. that's what I was doing. I was, I was spending a lot of time on the road, a lot of gas money, just time away. You know, that the family likes to hang out at the pool or out at the, out at the lake all summer long. And, and, uh, that was that, that, that for me is the big thing with cell cameras is that it affords me more time at home, yep. but it also, you know, like i i get it though right like because like everything in this world like people take advantage of things yep i don't i don't get to hunt where i live like everything's far away so like the whole concept of like getting a, a deer on cell cam and being able to go capitalize is uh 
is th that's out of the question for me. But I, I, I tell you what, the one thing with cell cameras outside of the time, the biggest thing that I've, I've gained from using cell cameras is being able to have instant correlation with like weather patterns, mm -hmm. you know, like especially in the summer. You know, like if, if you want to, you know, if you want to study the, the pressure or the moon phase, boy, those cameras will really, really help you, you know, and, and that's it. Cause most of my stuff's always on scrapes. 99% yep. of what I do is going to be on scrapes and it, it will teach you a lot. And as far as technology, when it, when it comes to like the whole drone stuff, if, if they are strictly used for say mapping, you know, software or creating maps for someone in recovery of the animal, I have no issue with that. You know, like I, I kind of stand in the camp of like what, whatever it takes to recover your animal kind of thing. Mm -hmm. you know? But also, boy, I, you know, it, it's funny with the, the, the drone stuff because they're so pricey. So you think there'd be like a hard line of like who, who's going to get these in the hands and who is yep. it? Um, I've never seen one used in person, but what I've watched from it's like, damn, dude, it, the guy could really, really figure out <laughs> where mm -hmm. everything is. Everything is time, you know. So, well, I'll, I'll kind of put my little spin on this. So, yeah. I use cell cams. Me and my dad, we go have these on them. So, we have, uh, uh, I think we have 11, 11 cell cams, I think total, and that's spread out all over, like okay. close to home, far away, um, out of state. We've had some out there. And I like do not do the like as soon as a picture happens, it sends it to my phone. I've always done like a self-imposed delay um, because for one money for two because of batteries and all that stuff. And I to me, I have a food plot right by my house like that. I, I could literally set that thing on auto during gun season. If a big buck showed up on that camera, I could go and get in i could be gun gun ready deer shot in less than five minutes like mm -hmm. kind of a thing that camera that's on the food plot i don't get any pictures during the daylight like yeah. those don't hit my phone till dark just because that's like a self-imposed thing i do because like you would always say like oh man i'm not that kind of guy but like what if a 160 shows up out of nowhere you know mm -hmm. do i really want to kill that deer that way no, that's not how I want to kill that deer. And that's probably the exact same kind of reason why you like to just keep the bow in your hand. You don't want to use a gun. Like, yep. you no, know, that can be, that's a whole thing. But I always think, you know, people like all oh, crossbows make it too easy. Uh, you know, cell cams are making it too easy, but you know what? Like we have to kill a certain amount of deer in the state of Michigan. Like, right. There's a, there's a high population, the DNR and all this stuff. You can go back and forth on it. But like, until we start like massacring too many deer, it's gonna be really hard for me to think that all oh, cell cameras need to be banned mm -hmm. yeah maybe the really big deer can there could be some shady stuff going on and deer getting shot or legally poached like that's gonna happen no matter what but until we start shooting so many deer and so many you know the populations decline at a rapid rate that is gonna be taken away from me like my kids one day might not be able to hunt i'm like you kind of like you know i'm gonna stay in my own lane now i'll encourage people to use a compound or use traditional equipment because mm -hmm. i think there's something there's an art to it that i love and it's something i'm passionate about but you know if you want to get out there a new hunter comes to me and says hey i want a bow hunt what do you think go buy a, a crossbow like mm -hmm. go out there and shoot the first thing that comes out like do it learn learn how to do that like that's the cheapest tool you know then after they start shooting a couple and then i'll really encourage you know hey step up your game you know do that that's kind of my approach to it 
And uh, it's a it's a weird thing because I got a recurve sitting here in the corner. You know, that's I have to shoot that thing a whole lot more to be proficient with it compared to my compound. You know, so like you can tear this off however you want, but like at the end of the day, we have to kill a certain amount of deer to keep the population in check. And until that starts going the other way, I'm okay with it. And like I can self-regulate myself to do whatever I want. Like that's my hunt, my tag kind of a thing. But I'll also be like beating on the drumsticks like hey dudes we can get bigger deer if we pass them you know like i'm gonna do that but you know that's it's just such a fine line in there but i do uh i do love cell cameras for all those things you said you know like the not having to be there you can learn like dude it was a 20 degree drop today and you know july went from 90 and humid to like 75 and it's like all the deer come out like hours before they normally do and all the big boys start showing up in velvet like geek out on that stuff and then you can go into the fall it's like got a cell camera or even a trail camera like on public land and a dude walks by it's like okay when am i gonna see a deer again it's like some spots the same day some spots week later you don't see you know there's so much good that can be had with technology that i think we're still at a spot where it's okay 10 years from now i don't know what's gonna happen but right now i'm kind of okay with it yeah but in the thing is too like when i think about you know if someone said man dj your your trail cam pictures look awesome you know and is that a cell cam or whatever sd card camera it's like there's still a lot of legwork that walk that went into to have a spot like that to mm-hmm. find those scrapes or those entry and exits to those bedding areas you know where there, there's there's a lot to it still and and you know when you talk about like the the compound and stuff like that where my youngest daughter, so she's killed a couple bucks, um, and she's going to be 12 this year, and she's killed them with a uh, crossbow, but, like, she naturally herself sees that she's somewhat limited on how she can hunt with that crossbow, and so she's been working with a, you know, working on using a compound over the last couple of years where it's, like, she wants to be able to maybe go hunt like me more than just in the... You know, because you take a kid out with like a crossbow, they kind of just are somewhat stuck in a blind mm-hmm. or like a, a two-man tree stand or something like that. But yeah, it, it's a wild place, man, because it seems like they the world's done a really good job at at dividing us and, and how we think. And that's why, you know, me and my buddies, we all, you know, yeah, we we may have our beliefs on on some things of, of how, you know, hunting seasons are or weapons, but it's like, man, for the most part, I just stay in my own lane, man, because it's I, I don't know what the next guy's got going on. I have no yeah. clue. What he, he may have something going on in his life or, or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I agree. I like it. I figured I'd get an answer like that from you because yeah. you're, you're uh, like you said, you always stick to your guns and that's, you know, you're, you do a lot. It's a lot of good for a lot of things. And you come in with that good approach and it's also means something because you're very invested in it. So I do appreciate that. But uh, let's, I kind of want to talk about some of that stuff that actually is hanging up behind you. Um, yeah. What uh, what are you shooting these days for a bow? It looks like, a, I know you guys are with Prime, but I don't know, is that the newest Prime or what do you got going on back there? Yep. Yeah, that one right behind me there, That that's the newest Prime. That's the Prime uh, RVX right there. Um, that's the that's the two. I got that in the uh, the uh, Recon Gray, man. It's, it's, pretty, it, it's pretty awesome. They actually, I got that one. Um, they they sent me that one right towards the end of October 
and I, I took it all around because I, I was shooting the Rev X2, which absolutely love that one too. And um, I shot my first two bucks with the, the, the Rev X2 this year. And then that one behind me on the wall there, the RVX, that showed up like a week before I left for Kansas. And I was like, well, you know, I had enough stuff. I was like, I'll, I'll just get this one set up too to see how it feels. And yeah, you had time. You were bucked out. You had time yeah. to get it set up, right? Yeah, it, they, <laughs> it felt it felt so similar. I was like, oh, I'll take it to Kansas, and then and then I shot a buck in Kansas with it on the on the very first morning, you know. So, yeah, that's a that's the prime bow, man. I, I tell you what, they, I uh, shooting the prime is just it's so enjoyable for me, and that's one thing about archery is it's supposed to be enjoyable. You should want to take that thing off the off the hook and go out in the yard and shoot it and. Yep. That's that's me, man. And I know everyone's got their own preference of what they shoot, but I would encourage anyone, man, if if you if you're looking for a new boy, I definitely go shoot the new prime. And and it's also really cool that they're a Michigan-based company that Absolutely. actually Aaron and I went over and did a, a private tour of the their factory and facilities over there. And and uh when we left there, Aaron and I both decided that like if every if everyone went and took a tour of that place and got to talk to those guys like we did, everyone would be shooting one of those, no doubt sweet now how is that like a 32 inch bow 30 inch yep. bow what is that yep, okay 32 32. Bow, yep. Nice. Yep, I was I, I those, those osb lines on that that sheet i was like <laughs> it looks like it's about 32 compared to that yeah and yeah then you have a decent size stabilizer on that too how big is the stabilizer yep that's a, a 10 inch stabilizer and actually uh it's believe it or not i've always shot a 10 inch stabilizer off the front and an eight inch stabilizer off the mm -hmm. back but when i started shooting prime uh, my RVX, or that's my RVX, my RevX too. You know, I've been, I've had both those bows for about a year. When I started shooting those, I eliminated that back bar on mine. Mm. So I, I completely eliminated that. I, they just, they, they, I don't, it just fits me so well. You know, when I come to full draw, it's, it's so dead on. It just holds so well. So yeah, that's a, uh, I run a Hamski rest on there. And then I have the, the Garmin uh, bow sight on there. Yep. But, so uh, now you shoot with your quiver off, I assume. Then, yeah, yep. Okay, because yeah. I use a back bar strictly because I like to keep my quiver on my bows. Yeah. So I need that offset. Um, you know those big tree trunk arrows that we shoot these days. You know the oh, yeah. <laughs> the heavy arrows you got to shoot. You know they I got to offset those with the back bar. Yeah. Now, do you um, I guess do you find that that stabilizer? Because I I went away from a big stabilizer in the front because I did not. I'm a big guy. So like I shot, like I always like a 36 inch bow, you yeah. know, like I shot the black five, um, was the, I actually shot the prime black five for a few years, really like that bow. But like, I got so sick of like having so much stuff like on my bow. I went like my new bow is a lot more streamlined, no front stabilizer, just it's a Hoyt. So it's got that little stubby on the front towards the bottom. Really enjoy that. But, um, the the i can say the biggest difference between like the prime bows from any other bow i've shot is like when they say that center grip technology and the hold they are not lying because it's unlike any other bow like it is it really is and either you're gonna love it or you're not gonna like it for yeah. me i just struggled a little bit because i like a really long bow the mm -hmm. center grip made like a 35 inch bow feel a lot shorter than what it really was so like for yeah. a guy like me with long monkey arms i really struggled with that and but I shot the bow you had before that and I almost bought it as a second bow because I liked it so much. So that's me. I mean, I'm not a gear snob, but I kind of am. So like I'm always tweaking and always liking to move this and get that. But yeah, that's a sweet bow. And I have a lot of friends that 
have shot a lot of primes and like tried them out and like no not really not really and then as soon as it came out with those bows they're all like dude that is a sick bow and i was like yeah it is everyone's got good things to say about it it's a nice bow yeah yeah you do have the garmin site you like you've talked about that quite a bit yeah a really cool thing too to do and um i was gonna ask you like we're all getting you know father time is the only thing undefeated in this life as you've gotten older i don't have the greatest eyes like i've been wearing contacts since i was like 12 years old so like do you find that that site actually is like i hate to say this but like i'm starting to like get harder for me to see my single pin sights because of like even like i shoot my basement like you've talked about like you like to do like in the winter like i got my target behind me Mm -hmm. i shoot 10 yards in the basement you know a few nights a week and like just doing that i'm realizing like it's getting harder for me to like see those pins and then um this year there was one night that i was out there and i had a buck out and I really struggled to like pick them up in the pin because it was getting hard. So I was in your colorblind. You've, you've talked about that. So how does that Garmin site deal with your eyes? I guess, does it help or. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's to me, it's a tremendous help because, you know, for the last decade, I've always been a single pin shooter. Like, you know what I mean? Like the, the upright post and yep. the single pin, because my eyes have just never worked with multiple pins. It just, you know, when i was a kid that's what we all kind of started with right like yep yell cheap you know like three stupid sideways ones yes it's terrible and i could i instantly seen my shooting get better you know a decade ago when i went to a single pin i could i could see it getting better and i and i thought that was it and then when i started shooting the garmin because the garmin has no post in it it's just your dot just your you know your little pin dot and I instantly was like, oh my God, like I love not having that, 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 the, uh, the post in there, the vertical mm-hmm. post. Like, I, I freaking love that, you know, where it's, it, it's, it's like a target archery site, basically. You know what I mean? Like you watch target archers, they have just that, just that little dot in there. Yeah. You can, you can change what color you want. Now I can tell there's two different colors and I know what they are because I read it. <laughs> manual but i <laughs> i go with the green one because it's it's brighter you know to me and yep. you can actually change the brightness in it but dude i uh i'll be honest because when when i when aaron got me one it was it sat here for a little bit because i just wasn't i wasn't too sure you know what i mean like yeah. I, I i didn't you know i kind of live in the camp of you know don't fix what ain't broke and and it was june and we had just got back from tack and i watched him shoot his attack and just watch him how he handled it how he used it it was like damn that looks pretty easy like it, mm-hmm. it's not as daunting as what i think people think it is and so i threw it on there and 15 16 minutes later the thing's just dialed and it's almost it's so accurate that it almost wasn't believable like i was like okay i gotta go try it at 53. okay i gotta try it at nine yards i gotta do yeah. this okay, I got to get up the tree or it was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't prove it wrong. You know yeah. what I mean? That, that's where I was at. And, and it's funny. It's funny that you've asked, cause I've had like three buddies over that seen it. They all are Garmin owners now because <laughs> I'm just like, all I do is like, just try it. All yep. you do is you to try it. Like I've always, I've told Aaron this after, cause Aaron shot one forever. Aaron always says he's got to, he's got to kind of somewhat say, and he's, he would, he would buy a used bow at a garage sale to make sure he had money for a Garmin. Yeah. Instead, he believes in that product so much. And, and, uh, 
I always I tell them after I shot it, I says, you know, if people could test drive this, you know, they, you know, when you test drive a new truck, you buy the yep. freaking truck afterwards. If people yep. could do that with a Garmin, that's exactly what would happen. If you could test drive one, you would own one afterwards. Yeah, it's so cool. I mean, and you too, like us, listen, the guys listen to this. I mean, you have that Garmin site. You shot deer, all three deer under what, 19 yards, you said? Yep. Like, you know, it's not like you're doing this because you're like, I'm going out here and I'm shooting deer at 80 yards now. Like, no, that is not what you guys preach. You're yep. just saying, hey, we're out here to be ethical. And in your mindset's ethical is like, if I know the yardage and I got that pin, I already have enough that's got to go right to, you know, kill a deer. This just helps. And you're con- like, you just hear you talking about it. I get a smile every time because it's like, you, it just oozes confidence. You yeah. know what I mean? You're just like, oh, baby, here we go. Like, I'm ready to rip. And that's good. That's really good. Like, I like that. Yeah. So, I, you know, you have, we put so much work into it this year-round season you know what i mean like i shoot my bow there's no doubt but i also know what there's a lot of work to be done in the woods but when it comes time to take that bow with me that the bow's got to do its job too you yeah. know and it's it has to uh it has to perform just like i have to now are you using a drop away rest on there i can't really see what what you have what do you like for a, that i got a ham ski a, a limb driven rest on there yep. driven. nice yep. and then are you a wrist strap guy or a thumb button or what do you like to use for release I have so I have a, a wrist strap, and if I use a wrist strap, I, I it's, it's an old Scott one, but it's, it's got like a hook on it because yep. my my thought concept always was I need to be able to attach it. I have a thumb button and I have a hinge, and honestly, I I'll practice with any of them at any given time just so I never get like I never get uh too complacent with one. Yep. Like I I don't want to learn it to the point where like I'm in and like just being. Even the hinge, like you shoot a hinge long enough, you can anticipate. You shoot long enough, you know when that thing's going to break yep. on it. So I, uh, I shoot all three. I've hunted with all three, but um, since I sell film, it's usually the the thumb button that goes yep. up with me because I can just connect it to my uh, my D loop. But I, I do the the wrist strap always goes in the backpack just in case because I know. I do sooner or later that thumb button is going to the ground. It's going to fall. It's going to happen. Yep, so I got for sure. It does. <laughs> yeah. I got the same style, the hook. Uh, I think it's a Scott. I can't remember what it is. It was really expensive when I bought it. It was like the most expensive wrist strap yeah. you could get. And yeah, I love that. It's a great, great release. And yep. It's got a pocket. It's got its own little hole in my backpack that yep. I take with me every time, just in case. All right, so we got the bow kind of taken care of, and I'm moving over. I see some carbon speed series latitude sticks. You guys are, I know you guys are kind of partnered with latitude, and Aaron does yep. some work for him and stuff. So, you, I'm going to kind of, okay, I'm trying to think. You were a OG lone wolf step guy, right? Like the three step. I was the same way with the alpha. Or you have this, so I have the alpha. I started with the alpha tree stand and the th- four sticks with like the plastic uh stick quiver you'd slam on post, and then I'd do the four full length sticks. That's how I rocked mobile gear until about ooh, five, six years ago. I went um to some B sticks. I just bought those because like bigger guy, love them. That's all I've used. Like those are it. Like I've had the lone wolf and the beast. But yep. my buddy has those carbon speed series sticks, and dude. Them are sweet sticks. So I know you are similar. Like, I don't know how much you've, you kind of said, Hey, I've, this is where I went and I love them. I mean, what, tell me a little bit about those. Like, have they kind of fit the bill for what you like to do? Yeah. So your, uh, your system was pretty similar to mine. You know, I, I, I ran the Lone Wolf Assault 2. That's what I bought back in 2012, along with the, the 36 inch 
uh, lone wolf sticks. And I actually didn't buy those a pack. I, I pieced those together one by one because I, I didn't I didn't want to spend that kind of money back in the day for a full system. And then uh, 2018, 2018-ish, when uh, the B-Sticks first come out, I, I got the original ones. I, I got yep. I got one to start with because I wasn't too sure about the, it, you know, did I, I bought one for the double step because I'm like, because I like to hang all my trail cameras high. So I bought the one to test it out. And there in the summer months doing trail camera work, I instantly seen, okay, I want those. So then I ran the four, the B-Sticks. And then I think the B sticks are good sticks. My only complaint ever with them was the packability. Yep, you know, it, it, complaint. <laughs> you you put them on it. You know, I saddle hunt, so you know, only thing I need to have on a backpack is a is a uh, a platform and sticks. Well, damn, the sticks were so big. And when Latitude came out with the the Carbon Speed Series sticks, you know, back at the twenty twenty three ATA show. I was down there with them and when they, when they brought them out, I was like, Oh shit, here we go. Like, this is, this is just what I need. I mean, you're talking, you, you look behind me here. You can take either of those platforms. There's a rebel and an X wing. Well, this, I, I, I usually use the rebel more. So we're 2.5 pounds. And I, I take four sticks with me. So, you know, about four pounds of sticks. So I'm, I'm, I'm less than seven pounds for my entire setup where I, I have right, right next to me here is, is my original lone wolf assault two with four B sticks. That's almost 20 pounds right uh -huh. there. I look at that thing and I'll never get rid of it. I'll never get rid of it, Nate, because that, 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 that's, that's built me who I am today. I carried mm -hmm. it a lot of places over the last decade, but when I look at that thing and it's like, I cannot believe I carried that around the woods for a decade, man. But, but guess what? Decade ago, that was, a, there was one option for yeah. multi-hunting gear and that was it. But there's a lot of options now, but you know, like, like we talked about with prime latitude being a, a Michigan based company, you know, so much of their, their stuff's made right here in Michigan. And what isn't yep. made in Michigan is still made here in the United States or, you know, like I stand behind that a lot, but, you know, great products. But I tell you what, if you ever get a chance to, to meet the guys inside of, of Latitude, you know, Alex, Kevin, Jake, you know, Corey, uh, Aaron, Derek, Jarrett. I mean, there's a whole slew of guys there that it's like, they're such a well-oiled machine and their style of just hunting and their personality is, is it, it just meshes with, with who I am so well. And I, uh, it's, it's a no brainer for me <laughs> you know what I mean, to be, to, to work with those guys. It's awesome. Yeah. We, we live in such a good time, like mm -hmm. for mobile hunting stuff. I did a podcast with Adam Miller from Bowhunter Chronicles, you know, and that dude's had like every stick, every saddle. So I kind of picked his brain a little bit and I was like, Hey, you know, what would you recommend to a new guy? And he went through and listed like five different sticks and then yeah. like four different saddles and all these platforms. And I was kind of like, man, when I first looked like that was it, like a lone wolf was like your hanging hunt stand. Like that was all you had. And I found it on Craigslist, like, and I bought it used. I was like, yeah, it was probably stolen for all I know. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that was like the option. That really was it. And now you look at it, it's like you can literally point dudes in any direction. And there's so many things. It just kind of comes down to who do you want to support? 
with your, you know, your money? Do you yeah. like their message? And everyone's out there now. Like, you know what the latitude dudes are like. Go on their YouTube. You can see how they hunt. You can see what they're like. If that's someone you you enjoy, go support them. If you want to go enjoy, you know, Dan Info and the Hunting Beast, like they got, I mean, I bet me, me and you both have learned a lot from that guy, you know, like oh, yeah. with what he's went through. So like, if you want to give him a shot give the bee sticks a rip, like those sticks are just like indestructible, you know, they're awesome. They're, I mean, I'm, I'm still using them because they just, they suit what I need. But yeah, the only reason why I'm like, man, the things are so big and bulky is because there's stuff like what's behind you out there. So you're like, what yeah. the heck? Like, dude, this is, so it's a good time to be a mobile hunter for sure. Yeah. Oh, and, dude, you, you, you nailed it too, man. It's like, there's so many options out there, but yeah, I, I, uh, I fully used the, the, the latitude carbon sticks this last year, man. And just the packability of them, you know what I mean? Where it's like, you, you just, the stuff is so packable compared to what it was a decade ago where it's like, man, this, this is, it's so easy to be a mobile hunter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you can just, there's no excuse not to move if you need to move nowadays. Yeah. Or like tear your setup down every night. It's really no big deal. Like you can get up and down a tree so easy now with all the accessories guys are coming out with. Like you can really dial it in. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see the last thing. What are you rocking? Like a single panel or a two panel saddle? What What is that no. back there? Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a method two two panel saddle user nice. and uh, believe it or not i i kind of run the saddle a little bit different than what a lot of guys do i like the two panel because it's so streamlined it's it the you know the the footprint it's leaving on me is such a small small area but what i i actually never separate my my two mm. i always keep them together i like to when i get set up in the the trees is i i loosen that waist belt just a little bit and i let that saddle just sag under my ass just a, just a tad almost like picture this if you were at if you took your kid to the playground and your kid wants to use the swings and you sit down next to next to him and it's the the black rubber type swing yep well you kind of put it you know kind of at the bottom of your ass cheek but then you take your feet and you kind of push yourself back like you're getting ready to swing and then you stop at the point where you can't push anymore well when you feel that swing just kind of right under your butt like that that's how I like to saddle. Yep. That's, that's my style right there. But not a lot of people do it. But once you try it, it's it's a you know some people it's a good way for, to change it up on an all day sit. I sit like that all the time. Now are you are you lean, are your knees against the tree then? Or are you no. yeah no. you're like me, dude? Do you use the the leg straps? No. Or do you have the yes? So dude, I'm you're that's crazy. I do not. My knees never touch the tree. I do the same thing. I get up there. I loosen my waist belt. I'll ride that thing because I wear a tool rig all day. So like having some of my hips, no big deal. Yeah. I love having that thing right below my butt like that. And I just lean all day. No big deal. And everyone's like, oh, I need knee pads. I need cushion. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like rock that thing. That's crazy. And I'm like not even close to the same body type as you. I'm six foot one, 245, 250. You know, I'm a big dude always been husky as i like to say but dude, that is the most comfortable way i love rolling a saddle that same exact way yeah dude it's 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 my number one way to use it you know the only time if i ever end up with my knees against the tree if anything it's like i'll put my knees on the side of the tree you know wait for daylight and all this yep. you know i'll lean up against that tree and put my head down on on the yep. uh on the tether or whatever and, and take use a little backpack strap for, i'll just yeah. use a backpack strap i need to and do that yeah, because I what's the what's it called that they use? Um, you can hook it to your bridge and it goes like on your back, like a lot of guys recliner. Or something. Yeah, backband. 
Yep. I, I got one. I bought a saddle used that came one of those. I was like, oh, okay, I'll try it. I'm like, dude, what the what is the purpose of this? Whew, yeah, I've never it's been sitting okay. in a tote since I got it. Yep. I was like, I don't even need that. Like, yeah, so yeah, that's crazy. I'm way. I don't use one. Yeah, that's funny. That is funny, but good stuff. So no, dude, that's I like your system there. That's cool. Like real like it's I I mean I don't I don't use those sticks. I don't use that stuff. I mean I'd love to try it. I have a buddy yeah. that has that. It's definitely on the docket. I would like to try a two-panel saddle for that same reason because when a single panel, when I slide it way down, there's just a bunch of like fabric not doing anything because you know it's just like bunched up. I'm like, I don't even need all this. Like I just need like literally like this tiny little belt would be fine. So yeah. Pretty well, cool. and here's here's the thing. This is why this is why uh, for like you and for me, why that two panel works so well. A lot of people would say, "Well, you don't need that two panel for that." But I've talked to the guys at Latitude, and they said this is. They said, "DJ, this is why you like it like that. Those two panels are built so each panel is built so tough, right? Because you're going to separate them. But when you combine them, dude, they're so strong. Like when they're together with those magnets like that." that it supports you or like, you know, your butt isn't sinking into that single mm -hmm. panel. Or basically you got the two panels, but it's not allowing your, you know, your, basically your butt cheeks to go through them. But Thanks. You just spent some of my money. I appreciate it. I was... <laughs> hey, they're, hey, they're, they're, uh, they're not far from you. You know, no, that. they're not at all. No, I've tempted, I've contemplated just knocking on the door and be like, yo, not to be weird, but like, I want to yeah. see what this is all about. But yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. When we uh when we get off the call today, I'll, I'll just give you a, a, a code mm. you can use and get yourself some good latitude stuff. I like it. Well, let's see here. Let's see. I'm trying to think if there's anything else in the docket. I talked about you know the buck I one of the bucks I shot this year. How that scouting really works. I think guys will understand that like it's a process. You know, like this is something that you you kind of set it off your air. I know for sure to me, but like. A 20 acre piece on one side of the road is going to be completely different than a 20 acre piece on the other side. Your style of hunting, you've morphed your scouting to suit that style. You know, you've, you're more of a precision guy, limited hunting, but maybe if a dude's younger who's got more free time, don't be afraid to like go out there and hunt. Like, mm -hmm. scout, see if you're right. Like, test your theories out. If you don't have money to, you know, buy cameras, you might have to just go check property go bounce into that property and see first week of October, it looks like this first week of December. It looks like this, you know, like you can do those kind of things. And there's so many different ways. And like another hard thing we didn't really touch on, but like, dude, picking the right tree mm -hmm. is that's a tough one. And then yep. picking the right tree and getting to that tree without blowing the place up is like a whole nother podcast. So you got to fail. Like I've bumped a lot of nice, I bumped some big deer and just watch mm -hmm. them run away. And you're like, oh my gosh. But you know what? You chalk that up. You say this too. I don't know if you did tonight, but it's like every time you do something, you've like mental note or you write it down. It's like, I just learned something. I learned yeah. that my gut was right. He was like, take the positive out of it. Like, yes, I bumped him. He's running away. Still throw a sit at it because he might come back. Happened to you this fall. You shot yep. a deer after, you know, bumping him. And then I never would have done that unless I heard guys talk about that. But it's like, you weren't you were right he was there you know you had the right mindset he just made beat you that time so going into the years in advance or even that year you can learn that and just don't get so down yourself we're, we're having fun out here we love yeah. it like go out there and go hunting and keep you a gotta smile. Go, you gotta go try things you, you, and that's the thing is it you're there, you're gonna fail right you, you're gonna make mistakes but i always tell i tell this to my kids like 
it's never a mistake if you learn something from it you know like the some of the best lessons i've learned in the woods are from mistakes but then i learned something from it and then it cost it will cost a buck his life later on from yep. that mistake i might have made prior to that but yeah you got to go out there and just try things you know what i mean again you got to you get you got to you got to try things try things in your area you know come up with your own process that that's always uh, very important is is to have your own process and and when it starts to get real tough in the fall it feels like things are sucking just remember you got to trust your process because it it, it can pay off and guess what the world of white tail hunting dude it can change in a matter of seconds your yes, season can change in a matter of seconds yes sir i like it that's a good way to end it and don't be afraid to do exactly what dj says because that could just be like a very good blueprint for someone to be like okay dj talks about transit i mean anyone okay search your name dj riley or david riley and you there will be multiple podcasts that'll pop up and you've talked about scouting so if you want to learn more about that just go do that. Listen to what he says and other guests say. And it might just take you being like, he said something about a swamp. He said something about a point. He said something about this train. Go walk it. Mm -hmm. And if you don't see deer sign, don't give up on finding that. Go look for another edge on a different property. And then if you go around and you're like, man, I really want to target these bigger deer. Just because you want to target them doesn't mean that bigger deer is on every property. So you have to like go and look and then you you also have to check on those properties as years go on like i have a property that had a really really big deer on it two years in a row didn't hunt him the one year because i did he was only four and a half and i was waiting for a five and a half to be five and a half all ready for him this year like oh we're going you know guess what i never saw this year on camera or laid eyes on in the summer dude just disappeared no idea what happened to him Damn. i mean you just don't know what happens you know yeah. it can be that way but guess what? Next year, he might pop back up. So it's not like I wrote that spot off. I just never, it just didn't work out. So there's just such this game you get to play. So you never know. But we'll end it on that. Otherwise, we'll talk till freaking one o'clock in the morning. So let the dude again, man. Yeah, I appreciate you doing this. I mean, you do. I mean, it's, it's really cool to uh, hear your story. And like you say, like you do really care about helping guys out. Like, yeah, you're not going to give coordinates you're not going to say exactly what's going on but you do give a lot of good advice and i mean at the end of the day we want this to keep going we want yeah. you know you want your girls to be able to keep hunting and doing this kind of a thing and it's encouraging you know sometimes we just need that little kick in the butt say hey go out there and scout and do it so thanks dj appreciate it hey nate thanks for having me on tonight man